Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. So this is the fourth message this morning in this series of messages that we've entitled Touch Points. We were originally going to stop this series, this, conclude it this morning, kind of paving the way for this uh, prayer walk for Moravian Pentecost coming up this Thursday. But there's been such a response uh, from people that we feel like God is saying continue it. We're going to be continuing to talk about faith. We're going to be continuing to talk about testimonies. Um, and so, you know, that's what we're going to do. Faith, see, what we're saying is this. Faith in order to function has to have like a specific point of contact. We have to be believing for something, whether it's a, a relationship to be restored, a new job, whether it's a, a, a financial breakthrough, whether it's healing, whether it's deliverance. There should be this kind of practical, measurable uh, focus of our faith. And, and, uh, and then the second thing is there needs to be a means of sowing, uh, a touch point of obedience, a method of obedience to work into that faith. Somebody uh, asked me, actually it was Allie, uh, emailed me this week and said, well, wait a second, if God asks you to do a piece of obedience to, 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 to gain that touch point of faith that you're praying for, does that mean it's completely disrelated to what you're praying for? And which is a great question. And I tried to answer that a couple, a couple weeks ago. I, I made the point that one of my, one of my kids was was in a very difficult situation where that kid needed to, to pass a very, very difficult course, like really difficult, one I could never dream of passing. And, and uh, I thought, How, how's this kid going to do it? And, and the Lord spoke to me, says, well, have faith. Begin to pray for him every day. I began to pray for the kid every day. And, and, and the Lord said, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a remedial course in Hebrew. I went, oh, man. Now, watch, like Hebrew was, was one of my majors in seminary, and, you know, and it's been years, and these things leave you if you don't do them every day. And God said, I want you translating all those, the Old Testament messages, but I want you to take the course. And so that meant verb conjugations, blah, you know, like boring, right? But I was faithful, and I did it. As I did it, I prayed. Now, that, doing that was not dissimilar to what I was praying for the kid to do. Are you there? The kid was preparing for something in terms of a life skill, and I was re-preparing for my life skill, which is what I'm doing right now. Within a year of being obedient, I was in Israel for the first time. Yeah. Are you there? See, now watch this. Seed, when we're sowing seed, whether it's financial or whatever it might be, it has content, right? Whether you sow a seed of corn, that, that piece of corn the seed that you're sowing is full of corn DNA. Are you there? It has content. The only way that you learn the content of the seed, the true content of it, is to be obedient to what God's telling you to do, even if it sounds nutsy cuckoo, yeah? Because there's no formula for mystery. Uh, can I say that again? There's no formula for mystery. Just do what God says to do. And then when you do it, and begin to drill down into it in God, God will show you the content of the seed that produces the thing, the touch point of faith that you're praying for. Does that make some kind of sense? I've seen this work in my life over and over again. And so anyway, hallelujah. 
I, I'm looking around. I'm seeing some people for whom their the miraculous has occurred since we started this. Uh, I, I don't want to out people because there's confidentiality, but uh, I'm seeing two or three miracles right in front of me. This is good stuff. So the title of this message this morning is When God Troubles His Temple. And we're going to look at an episode from the Gospel of Mark. It's also uh, in, in, in Matthew, uh, where Jesus cleanses the temple in Jerusalem and in the process removes a mountain so that faith can prevail. And like, so here's the, th- here's the thing. The point is this. There are times when what we're praying for requires the removal of a mountain. Are, are you there? And so... This morning we're going to focus upon, and there's a lot of moving parts in what Jesus does here. There's a string of things in Mark's gospel that Jesus does and says that are very attached to one another, but they seem, dis- this again, there's no formula for the mystery. They seem dissimilar, but when you put them together, it's like, wow, it's that kind of thing. So this morning we're going to focus on what I would characterize as the most unique miracle that Jesus performed in his earthly ministry, it's usually called the cursing of the fig tree. Huh? And, and some of you know what that means. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus never curses the fig tree. That's not, I don't call this the cursing of the fig tree. I call it the withering of the fig tree. Now, Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, you cursed the tree. Jesus doesn't respond because Jesus doesn't curse. He blesses. Are you there? We're going to unpack this in a second. And so that's Peter's language, not Jesus' language. So I want to really kind of take a look at this. The context is this. We're going to be in Mark chapter 11 and verse 12. And the context is this. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem with the disciples, staying in Bethany just a short walk away. He's presumably staying with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That's who was in Bethany. And he's coming into Jerusalem, and he's going into the temple, and things are getting hot. The disciples are saying, we're having faith for the restoration of the kingdom, the increase of the kingdom of God. Messiah is coming. We, we're seeing, we're starting to, it's starting to unfold who this Jesus is. And so it says in Mark 11, chapter 12, on the next day, when they had left Bethany, he, that's Jesus, became hungry. How human is that, huh? Jesus became hungry. Verse 13, and seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, that's important, in leaf, the fig tree was broadcasting something. He went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of the figs. Now, despite the fact that it was not the season for leaves or fruit, the leaves were a declaration that the fig tree would contain fruit. But the leaves declared that the fruit would be there. But you know what? There was no fruit. What it was advertising was empty. It was a deceptive tree, and it was a defective tree. So the tree itself was flawed. Verse 14, he, that's Jesus, said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples were listening. This is a teaching moment. The disciples were, were trying to figure out what's going on here. What Jesus actually said in Greek, it says, no more from you hereafter will anyone eat fruit. Now, it's not a curse. Jesus is just prophesying. It's important to note that in the Old Testament, this is really important to understand where we're going. 
It's really important to understand. In the Old Testament, the fig tree was considered a symbol of Israel and the temple, right? You can go to the prophets, it's all over the place. You can go to Hosea, Jeremiah, other places, Isaiah. Much, it's kind of like the eagle is a symbol of America. The fig tree was that kind of a symbol. Okay, verse 15. Then they left the fig tree, they go to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple. Now this is this, he cur- I'm sorry, he doesn't curse it, I just contradicted myself. He, he, he prophesies the fig tree. He prophesies to the fig tree. The next thing he does in verse, in verse 15, it says, they came to Jerusalem, he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple. Okay, you have to ask yourself, was the fig tree a sign for what he was about to do? Verse 16, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. Now this is the activity of the temple. This was what fueled all the sacrifices that were going on in the temple, which the temple was there for. Are you there? Are you following me? Okay. And this is, this is where the animals come from for the worship sacrifices. Verse 17, and he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. All right, verse 18. And he began to teach. This is a teaching moment, especially for the disciples. And say to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And the word their nations is ethnos. It's non-Jewish non-Jewish people, all the different ethnic groups across the world, the Latins and the Celts and the, the, the Chinese and whomever else was out there. This is what my house is for. This so contradicts what the Pharisees, Sadducees, and even the disciples themselves thought about the temple. It had to be earth-shaking. Okay. And he says, it's a house for all ethnicities, but you have made it a robber's den. And I can't get into it, but the scribes and the Pharisees were outraged trying to figure out how to kill him, how to destroy him. But I want to jump down to verse 20. And as they were passing by in the morning, they saw that the fig tree, watch this, was withered from its very roots up. Wow. Verse 21. So being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed, that's Peter's language, is withered. All right? And, and, and so, verse 22, but it says, Jesus answered saying to them. Now, it's interesting, there wasn't a question. Certain question. There certainly was a lot of questions in the hearts of the disciples. Are you there? So Jesus, who hadn't been questioned at all, nevertheless answered their hearts, saying to them, have faith in God. And in Greek, it reads this way, have faith faith of God, which is fascinating. This sentence is, it's a really rare construction in Greek. Uh, uh, This faith of God is kind of like, what does this mean? Is it that we're supposed to have the same quality and confidence of faith in God that God has in himself? Is that what, we're going to unpack that in just a second. So in verse 23, it says, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoa, wait a second, we're going to fig leaves and tree, then we go to a temple, and then we, 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 we're, now we're talking about mountains. Are you, are you there? You see, there's a lot of moving parts here, but Jesus has this string of things that he says and does, does that has this continuity to tell us something this morning. 
And so, truly I say to you, verse 23, whoever says to this mountain, well, where's the mountain? Be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his head. Is that what it says? Ah, who does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says or she says is going to happen. It will be granted to him or her. So what does the fig tree have to do with the mountain? The mountain that's, the mountain is, is an obstacle to faith in the Messiah. And, and the mountain is this empty sacrificial system in the temple. And this is the context for this lesson in mountain moving prayer. We always talk about moving the mountain as if the mountain is something that's a touch point of the faith. No, the mountain is an obstacle to the touch point of the faith that we're praying for. Are you there? Anybody ever had a mountain in their lives? Huh? It's that kind of thing. So in verse 24, Jesus says, So for this reason I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them, and they'll be granted you. And then he asked, he, Jesus, uh, it's like, why does he go here? And he says, he adds this precondition for answered prayer. And he says in verse 25, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. Wow. Because if you have anything against anyone, which is probably most of us one time or another, so that your Father also is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. That's an impedance to faith and to our touch point of faith. Okay, so quickly, I just want to frame out what happens here this way. The touch point of faith for Jesus and his disciples coming to Jerusalem the coming of, is the coming of Messiah and the establishing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand is the mantra of Jesus, all right? And, and so, but the irony is that the mountain in the way of the coming of the kingdom is what is going on in the temple itself. Huh? I mean, come on, Jesus walking in. Can you imagine, you know, he never does anything out of love. But out of love, he's overturning, he's driving, he's taking a, a stick and driving money changers out of the temple, ending the sacrifices for that day, doing those kinds of things. So Jesus enters the temple and the system of worship, which is supposed to bring life to people and to, and, and to address their spiritual hunger. It's supposed to bring them closer to God, but it's doing exactly the opposite. It's leaving people spiritually hungry. And watch this. It's excluding most of the population of the world. Whoa. Huh? So, okay, so the mountain in the way of the disciples' faith was a religious system corrupted by religiosity, money, and politics. Huh? The politics of the Sadducees, and I can't get into that, the Pharisees, all the political parties. Does that sound familiar? I mean, really? Has human nature changed all that much? So we, we all have these mountains which obstruct our faith. And if we're not careful, we can miss the more central point of what's happening here, how the fig tree is withered. Because from the perspective of Jesus toward the disciples, it's, it's not about the sacrificial system. Jesus is saying it's about faith, which what we sung this morning, it's, it's about faith taking authority and prayer from the heart. Huh? Uh, from the perspective of Jesus, that's what it's about. So this is what he says. He says, have faith, take authority, believe in your heart and pray. And Jesus really doesn't say anything about cursing stuff. 
We curse stuff. Yeah? So the way that Jesus characterizes, you might be saying, how do I curse stuff? Well, every, you know, elsewhere in the scripture, every corrupt communication that passes from our lips uh, is a curse. Yeah? Are you there? Take a gander at social media, would you? I mean, man, people are cursing other people as a matter of happenstance, right? The media it makes, its, makes its living from cursing people, you know? It's, it's that kind of thing. But that's the world. That's God's problem. All right. So, all right. So here's the problem. The fig tree declared that it had fruit, but it was fruitless. Huh? It, it was a pretend tree. It was a deceptive tree. It offered something that it didn't have, just like the temple. <laughs> it was a mountain in the way of faith. So here's an application for us today. In the New Testament, what, what's the temple? Well, Paul says it any number of times. Paul, especially in Corinthians, he says, don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Ghost? And he's speaking to each of us individually, right? I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yikes. But here's the other thing. He also says you plural. He says the church is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And he's not talking about 21 East Broad Street. All right? He's talking about, he's talking about us being together here this morning with these crazy things on our faces and, and this preposterous situation we're in. But hey, we're a temple of the Holy Ghost. Huh? Temple of God. So here, here's an application. What I, what, what I want to ask us this morning, I have to be careful of the time and all that, but am, am I harboring some mountain that's in the way of the object of my faith? You know, you can have a mountain, and, and, and we're, we're all praying for these prayer points, right? And, you know, sometimes you pray, you pray, you pray, and you don't realize there's a mountain obstructing the prayer, huh? Am I harboring a mountain? See, I, when I first went into the ministry, I, I, ta- I told you this story, but I didn't tell you the whole story a couple weeks ago. When I first went into the ministry, I resisted it so. I just it took, I mean, it, it was months before uh, when, when the elders asked me to come in full-time. Uh, I was the first full-time pastor. Uh, uh, and some of you remember that, yeah? So when, when uh it was months before I agreed to do it. And one of the reasons was, well, the reason I ultimately did it is Trisha, Trisha my wife, was sitting here. Welcome, my, I love you. Anyway, so uh, one of the reasons that, that, that I did it is she said, you've got to make a decision. I can't stand this unpredictability. And so I did, and here I am today, 40 years later. But, but the reason that I did not want to come into pastoral ministry is I didn't want... I was, there was a mountain in my life. And the mountain was this. The mountain was that I did not want to make my living of the gospel. Are you there? I wanted to do something else. I would do anything else and do something bivocationally, but I was not prepared to, take, to make my living of the gospel and take my salary from the church. Well, why? Why? Because my grandfather and my father for all the years I remember, did nothing but, but, but uh, badmouth cler- clerical ministry, badmouth priests, badmouth ministers, badmouth the church over, 
the pretext that they were raping the people and making their living in a preposterous way. Have you ever heard that kind of stuff? And it was part of my DNA. I, I like, it, it really was something, I wanted to become a, maybe a math teacher or do something else and just do something bivocationally so that I could never, I would never have to say that I took money from the church. That's a mountain. And I had to be delivered of that. I had to speak to it. I had to, to repent. I had to take authority over it because that, that, that mountain was going to stand in the way of my destiny in God. You there. So a mountain in this context is something big in my life that's a barricade against my future in God. It's a barricade against the, the touch point of prayer that I'm believing for. It's in the way. And in situations like this, I, by the way, I thought that that was good and noble and very, uh, I thought, you know, to not take a salary from the church, man, I'm, I'm independent. I'm, I, I, in me, it was defined as something good for me. Can you follow that thinking? So I, I often ask myself, what is it that keeps these, the, the, uh, the deception in these situations operative? And why is it that something that's, that's in our way, we, we see as fruitful? I mean, I had leaves all over me declaring fruit, 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 but I was a walking deception. All right? So what are some examples of mountains in our lives? Uh, a, a, quote, gentle, end quote, alcoholic is, is, has a mountain in his or her way. Are you there? Gentle alcoholic is somebody who's an alcoholic but thinks that the alcohol is good. Huh? Yeah? Yeah? Arnaldo, you dealt with this stuff all your life, I mean, in terms of ministering to people, right? Uh, a, a, a gentle drug addict is, is, has a mountain in front of them. Uh, but there are other kinds of mountains. There's relational mountains. How many times have I been with a married couple and, and, or Trisha and I are counseling and it, somehow it emerges, either privately or in the context, that, that, that one of the partners is still, uh, uh, still in a soul tie with a, a, a relationship that occurred 20 years previously, right? And there's still something that happened 20, 30 years ago that, that impedes this relationship because that relationship was never let go. That's a, it needs to be bro- that's a mountain that needs to be prophesied to and broken. You there? It's that kind of thing. Or, uh, oh, man, there's, there's ethnic uh, mountains. There's prejudicial mountains, uh, religious profiteering mountains. There's, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, wow, here's a biggie. Uh, workaholism is a mountain, Yeah. There's a real big one. We just, just ran into it this week. There's, there's, this, is, this is a mountain for guys. And I could probably spend a whole, whole uh, men's meeting message on this one. The old, uh, the old uh, Willie Nelson song, you know, Mama, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys. Did you ever hear that song? It's kind of a great song, but it's a lie. Anyway, because <laughs> the... They never stay home, and they're always alone, even with, with someone they love. And it's touted in the song for a male to be quiet and isolated and distanced from anybody because that's cool, and that's male, and that's wonderful, and that's cowboy. And, 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 and that, of course, stereotype is in movies and across. It kills marriages. It kills relationships over and over again. You there? Yeah? It's those kinds of things. Okay, I... 
We could spend all morning on that. Okay. So on the way to the temple, Jesus knows that he's taking his disciples, and his disciples are pumped. Man, they're pumped to go to the temple. So, so he knows that he's taking them into a religious system that is, ain't working. And so uh, they think he's going to rehabilitate the temple. Yeah? But Jesus startles them because he ejects the money changers from the temple. And he's kind of saying, I didn't come to pretty up this mountain. All right? I came to fulfill it huh? with something much, much, much better. So here's a principle. Mountains can't be rehabilitated. They have to be moved. Problem is, we try to pretty up our mountains. Or am I the only one, right? Uh, the most radical removal of a mountain that I, that I ever encountered was I was uh, preaching years ago in a, in a Bible college in the, north of here, way up in the Adirondacks, and, and some of you know what, what, what school I'm talking about. But I was preaching in this, this uh, Bible college, and, and uh, on platform with me was this crusty, hardtack, brilliant, old, latter-rain preacher by the name of Charles Hahn. If he's alive today, he'd be in his 90s. But in 1960, and he didn't tell me this, as one of his close friends told me this. In 1960, he took his family, because God spoke to him, and went to Iquito in, in uh, Ecuador, which is just upriver from about a, maybe 100 miles upriver from where our chair and Malcolm is in Peru. And he, this, but this is 1960. This is like before there was any incursions into the Amazon with the gospel. It was uh, the, the, when Phil Saint was in, in the Amazon region. And, and so he goes with his family to the, uh, to the Kadoshi tribe of Indians in, in Peru. And, and uh, he goes and takes his family and begins living with that tribe. And as he's attempting, they receive him. They're headhunters. And they receive him. And, but man, he keeps coming up against, coming up against, coming up against a mountain. And there's no breakthrough in the community. And he's there for a long time. One of the gods that the tribe worships is the anaconda snake. And in this section of river, which is a tributary to the Amazon, near the village, there was an anaconda snake. And of course, you know, you don't come in and kill things, you know, uh, as a missionary. So he was attempting to try and theologize the tribe through the whole issue of you can't worship a snake. The problem is that they were afraid of the snake with good reason. So they deify it. This isn't rocket science, right? One day, he has been praying and interceding with his wife. One day, the snake comes up and tries to grab one of the kids in the village. And the pa parents run or adults run. Get, get the kid out of the clutches of the snake. And he was so enraged in righteous anger that he takes a knife, gets into a, a canoe, goes out into the river, and finds the snake and kills it. Like... That's crazy mountain moving right there. I mean, I would really, I hate snakes. I would have to, word, have, to have a word from God to, to go after it that way, especially an anaconda, all right? See, so, so there, there's a, there's a, there needs to come a point with our mountains that we have to say, you know, it's all I can stands, I can't stands no more. We've become Popeye Christians, you know? And, and we, we have to begin to, to do these kinds of things. Now, 
Here's the problem. You say, I don't know if I have... One of the mountains I was facing one time, I won't even get into it, is like, I just thought, I don't have faith for this. And I remember reading this verse. And here's here's the thing. Faith comes from God himself, not through, or through my heart, but not through my head or the exercise of willpower. Are you there? I, you know, uh, you know it's, it's heart. Jesus, Jesus says, have faith of God. That is such an interesting grammatical construct. It's not different from Paul in Romans. It's the same grammar where Paul says, for the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Now ask yourself this. So the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Does that mean that it's uh, our love for God or is it God's love? Can I say that again? Love of God, does that mean it's God's love shed abroad in our hearts or is it our love for God that's shed abroad in our hearts? Because it can mean both things. Are you there, right? So faith of God can mean both things too. So which is the answer? Both are the answer. See, here's the deal. If I don't have faith for something to move a mountain, the only way I get that faith isn't by reading theology or, or you know, trying to, to connive or think my way through it. The only way I get the faith to do that is by being with God with my heart. God gives me the faith as a matter of heart. It's that kind of thing. Okay, so faith comes from God himself. Uh, you got to get with God for the faith. Now, Here's the last thing I want to say this morning, because uh, when we need to move mountains, but even if we don't need to move mountains, when we pray and pray and, and, and man, it just doesn't seem to be coming to pass. I understand there's a mystery to this, but, I, but I've seen so many things come to pass in my life. You know, I, I just have to encourage us because this is what God's saying and doing right now. So, but here's the thing. Uh, Jesus is constantly confronting his disciples and us with this one last point. Unforgiveness is the highest mountain to faith that we can have. Are you there? I mean, if we're unforgiving, you know, it's, it's an obstacle to faith because it's an obstacle to the heart of Jesus. If I got something stuck in my nose towards somebody else, I can pray all morning, right? And if God has his finger on that thing, I can pretend it's good. Oh, it's good. I forgave them. La, 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 la. You know, and really, you know, in my, my weaker moments, I fantasize about strangling them or something else. You know, <laughs> listen, the mantra of the, the New Testament is forgive, 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 because if you forgive, God forgives you. Huh? Faith arises. It's that kind of thing. All right. How about it, church? Anybody got a mountain in the way this morning? (laughs) Uh, Anyone have a lying fig tree in their backyard? Uh, How about this? Is God troubling your temple this morning? That's the word of the Lord for the church this morning. Uh, Wow. I'm even getting something right now. I believe uh, there's somebody either here or out there, you online, and I, I hear the Lord saying that one of your children is seeing a romantically, or maybe mar- I'm, uh, there's a romantic relationship between one of your children and a person of an, uh, and, and a, another uh, person of another race, 
and you're not saying anything about it, but it's kind of, it's eating you a little bit. That, the Lord says that's a sin, that's sin, and that's a mountain. I don't even know if it's a race. It's probably eth- ethnic. That's sin, and that's a mountain. God says well, the, the plan of God for that couple is going to be obstructed by your mountain. So the Lord says, now's the time to move the mountain. It can be moved. It's deceptive. You're probably characterizing it as something good. It's not. God says, my house shall be a house of prayer for all ethnicities, all nations. It's that kind of thing. I break the power of that. I break the power of that prejudice in the name of Jesus right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Someone came up, a a lady came up to me uh, just recently and said, uh, uh, I I had a a word of knowledge. Uh, These words of knowledge are important. I word of knowledge a couple weeks ago that someone was going to have a surprise pregnancy and uh, someone, and and that it was of God and it was important. So somebody, so a woman came up to me, has a surprise pregnancy, said that word was for me. But what, what, isn't that cool? And, and, but the problem was, it's an unwanted pregnancy. All right? See, that's a mountain right there. I break the power of that mountain. We prayed with her, but I break the power of that mountain in the name of Jesus. And so it's those kinds of things. All right, let's stand. Shall we stand? Can, can you pray with me? I mean, look, you're, you're probably buzzing in your head. Do I have a mountain? Don't, don't do that. Take it to prayer this week. You know your touch point of faith. Some of you are praying for tuition. Some of you are praying for a married relationship. Some of you, pray. you know that stuff. Let God, let God take you to the fig tree. Let God take you to that unfruitful place. Let God point it out. Don't overthink it. Okay, but God's going to do it. Okay, so Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm releasing. I'm releasing insight. I'm releasing a distinguishing of spirits. I'm releasing discernment that those online, that this congregation, Makanji, Bethlehem, people online, would, 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 whoever's watching, I just release words of knowledge and words of wisdom right now by the power of the Holy Spirit to, to, to surface the obstructions to faith in our lives that we can deal with by faith. So I just pray, Lord God, for my brothers and sisters. I pray for this church. If there's something in the, in the way of this church, Lord God, uh, in terms of the plan of God for this church, that that's, we're facing a mountain, harboring a mountain, we don't even realize, I pray you surface it so, so we as leaders can deal with it, God. But if it's not there, we don't want to create something that's not. We do that in the name of Jesus, Lord. I release words Uh, God, for those who are sowing seed, give them insight into the content of that seed. I release words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Give them content into the DNA of that seed so they can see you work, see the miracle, see how you work, see how you care for them in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Continue standing. And it might be that there's somebody out there who's, or even here, who's never really made a commitment or, you know, you really never settled the issue that Jesus is your Messiah. That means that he's your king and that he's your savior. And, you know, maybe you never really said, I want to have a relationship with this, this God because he, you're listening to this because he wants to have a relationship with you. So I'm going to ask us all, both at home and online, to just uh, repeat after me these words. 
uh, because they're words that change lives. And if that's you, uh, I would like you to pray it and then uh, pray it, pray it, let the Holy Spirit come into your heart and then let Pastor Mike know if you're online that you prayed that prayer. We've had people coming to Christ every week, okay? If that's you, this is your morning. So pray with me, Lord Jesus Christ. I am sorry for the things I've done in my life that are wrong. Please forgive me. I I turn from anything I know is wrong. I I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I want to be forgiven, God, and I want to be set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Jesus, I I receive that gift by faith right now. Come into my heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for forgiveness forever and ever. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.